Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Kay. And I'm Steve. And this week, the three of us are looking at Season 6, Episode 14, Three Valentines, in which the Crane Clan each suffer equally problematic problematic Valentine's dates in their relentless search for love. Steve and Key, both of you are here. This is very special. I want to ask you, do you each have any Valentine's traditions? Go this on, Kay. A, what, what, what tradition have you got? I just say two things. One, this is weird because my brother is called Steve, and so hearing <laughs> someone say Steve and Key, it feels like my mom is is telling us off. <laughs> um, I am the voice of God. <laughs> Valentine's Day traditions. What I have done a couple of years on the bounce is I've made whoever I'm with a three course meal on Valentine's Day. Mm. And I can tell you I'm not doing it this year because it's gone horrendously both years. Oh no! Ta- ta- talk <laughs> us through the disaster. Um, well, last culinary year, Hindenburg. It, it was intended to be um, like a, a culinary dish from each of the places like in the world she wanted to visit, like oh three different God. countries. So I tried That's... to make a, a dish of each of those countries. So one, I, I remember the, oh, I can't even remember what it was. Um, it was some kind of like Swiss donut, like, or Greek donut or something like this, like Lucardes or something like that. I can't Switzerland, Greece, <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> it was somewhere in Europe. Okay. It was a dessert. <laughs> Um, it went very badly. It wasn't ed- edible. Um, and then she said she was on like a bit of a health kick at the time. So I tried to make, again, another European country. I want to say Croatia, a kind of <laughs> Croatian pie. Oh, a um, Croatian pie? <laughs> <laughs> there was a name for it, but I don't remember the name. But uh, instead of, because she said she was on a health kick, I tried to make it healthy and just thought my idea of making something healthy is just like throw kale in it. And... Nice. <laughs> It's superfood. So and she had like one bite and said uh, that the idea was very nice. Um, I don't think the delivery was there. So I'm oh, taking I'm taking her out for dinner this year. That's devastating. But but you're taking her out. That's very lovely. That's very lovely. <laughs> Steve, what about you? You romantic beast. You well. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that Key's idea sounded absolutely amazing and very romantic. <laughs> it missed the target. Though. <laughs> the, the, the execution of fusion meals. <laughs> From random, country, <laughs> random countries just didn't sound like it really worked that well, Key. I'm sorry. Um, also, I've spent most of the night in the kitchen, so you don't actually see each other all night. So. I think it, that's probably the biggest issue. I mean, to be quite honest, I'm an, a terrible cook. I've very rarely ever cooked for a female. Um, I've cooked for myself when living alone, but I really do not cook. So my tradition oh. will be to uh, sit and wait for my meal to be cooked like it has been every other year that we've been together. Wow. Goodness me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm retaking notes. This is what I'm yeah, I mean, <laughs> romance is not dead here. He's not dead, honestly. She's a very lucky lady, I promise you. <laughs> I love that. Well, both excellent traditions, and I'd love to hear from listeners. I've only got one that's been going a few, well, a couple of years now with Charles. This will be uh, our third. Um, and I make a crossword that contains in-jokes and little references to things that have happened across the last year. Is that um, why you were waiting for a crossword puzzle book when we came on here? They were just it, it, on the brain. <laughs> they were just on the brain this week. Yeah, and listeners don't know, I've just recently ordered a compendium crossword book, and it's been delivered to the wrong address, so um, I won't be solving them anytime soon. But uh, yeah, it's just it's quite a fun way to reflect on stupid jokes from, Is... from last year. <laughs> Is is one of the clues going to lead to seven down, for example, being the phrase two possibilities, which I know Charles loves you saying a lot. She, uh, you know what? I've already <laughs> I've already printed it now, and I now wish I'd spoken to you a, a, a day ago, Steve, because I could have added that. Um, but yeah, so that's always fun, uh, and I normally just whip whip that out the crossword uh, at, a, at a at a meal or something. Uh, but there we just- go. Well, I- 
Kind Sorry. of clarify. So on Valentine's Day, you are just sat like timing her while she's doing the crossword puzzle that you set for her. Uh, the time the timer isn't mandatory, but I mean <laughs> I am keeping some kind of record on my phone. Oh, that's uh, no, 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 than we... last year. <laughs> you, you guys have still got such a good effort. I mean, this homemade meal, this homemade crossword. It's a bit Chandra and Monica at the moment. I hope that Janice comes out with I love you, Chandler Bing in the middle of every song that you play on your mixtape, personally. I think it'd be brilliant. <laughs> oh my goodness me. Right, that's enough balance. Valentine's, let's get into the Frasier Valentine trio that we have ahead of us uh, and into a particularly romantic trivia corner because the two of you are getting into the trivia bed this week and I'll be asking you questions and you're both going to write an answer down on your phones. Steve, can I just check, is this romantic trivia or is this more of a work thing? What, what is uh, this for well, you? <laughs> well, time will tell, time will tell um, if uh, you start giving off those infernal riddles. Um, okay, here we go. So uh, this is starting from our boy down under, Mr. Hamlet. Sorry, are we both writing these down privately yes, now? Yes, you are. Okay. Yes, you okay. are. You, you need a pe- pen and paper or notes on your phone. This Either is so official. Do. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> Dr. Will... Carroll, take it away. Independent <laughs> adjudicator. In the scene when Niles sets the couch on fire, how many lit candles are in the shot when he first opens the extinguisher? Oh, crap. Okay. So I'm going to give you all... I'm, I'm going to just talk and fill the silence. Maybe I'll sing a little... Um, well, you are the uh, sexiest podcast host in Great Britain. Well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much. Um, if only you could kiss me on the lips. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to assume you've all got a number down. And uh, oh, there's two of us. Gonna, <laughs> other, other people are playing this game at home, Key. Don't forget. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to question two. When Martin is sitting with Daphne at dinner, what is the link with the waiter from the restaurant? And just Steve from episode Farewell Nervosa. I'm um, going to go with the most obvious answer. I've got a brilliant one. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Steve, can I copy your answers? Okay, this is like a sharing. <laughs> yeah, look. Yeah, yeah, look. <laughs> Here you go. Hold, my shoulder, Keith. <laughs> hold him up to the camera. Um, I'll go through all the answers at the end, of course. Um, okay, question three. I love this one. I love this one. Virginia Madsen, who plays Cassandra, was nominated for an Oscar in 2004 for Best Supporting Actress in which movie? And I don't know if I've gone on the record of saying, but it is the film that genuinely marked my coming of age from I no longer watch kind of stupid films, I watch adult films, and it it had a profound effect on me. And I kind of went into writing about film after watching. I I only know, I think I only know one film that she's been in, so that's going to have to be my guess. I hope that I've remembered the right film. Uh, (laughs) Steve is beating me by one. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I hope I remember, Keen. I have. (laughs) Just guess any film, Keen. You've got a few to choose from. Um, I'll tell you one thing, though. It will show that Key is copying me if he gets the same random guess (laughs) I've just made. Okay. (laughs) Trivia from Niall Crane. He asks, what were the two pieces of music playing in the background when he was ironing his trousers. This is some serious Frasier-level intellectualism. I love it. I wouldn't be doing very well if I was on the other side. I don't side think I've got on one right yet. This is really, really hard. I think, I think I've got possibly that one. I will accept <laughs> I'll accept a point for the composer. Um, both I've pieces... got, I think I've got one point then. Okay, both I, think I've got, I might have the composer. Possibly. Okay, Maybe. that's impressive. <laughs> Trivia from, he's a goth now. How long is Niles' opening scene from the moment he says the word dogs, his last word to Eddie, to his collapse in the doorway? And I want it to the nearest second. Oh, come on. And I will accept five, no, I'll accept 10 seconds either way. Okay, 10 seconds either way. How long is that scene? Are you, sweat, are, you, are you sweating yet, Keith? Yes, I was sweating. I'm, do you remember when these questions were like, who said this line? <laughs> <laughs> what beer did he drink? Now it's what's <laughs> Kelsey Grammer's blood type. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Trivia from LBB, little Bobby Briscoe. He asks, what are the vintage years of the champagne Niles discusses on the phone? Okay, this is a nice one. I've got you here, I know them. I know them. Yeah, I know them. That was going to be my question. <laughs> <laughs> Trivia from Run For Your Life. Okay, here we go. Strap in, lads. She's gone all out here. That's what we've been told by Harry. When Niles gets blood on the couch, he goes to a tin of cleaning spirit. On the tin, it has a name, and it happens to be the surname of a famous psychologist. Fancy having a guess of the surname, and I've got 
four options. It's multiple choice. A, Freud's. B, Rogers. C, Adler's. D, Horny's. Wink. <laughs> Wink. So Freud's, Rogers, Adler's, Horny's. We can't come up with the same answer, Key. I, I was desperately, I actually paused it while I was watching this because I tried to read what was on the bottle and I oh could my not, God. And there, I could not make out any writing on the bottle. Well, I don't think that all four recordings are very good quality, so so oh. I watch it. I watch mm. it on 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 all four. <laughs> yeah, it's I, very hard. I don't often watch it on all four, and you'll when we do animation watch, you will you'll realize that because I originally thought the animation was a SlimFast commercial, and then <laughs> I remembered I was watching on four. <laughs> Excellent trivia from MK. It's Corey. He says, including the initial time when requesting his services, how many total times did Fraser wave on and off the violinist? Hmm. Stephen Key worked this out. I'd like to shout out the violinist at the place I work at who put on a performance of Les Miserables on Tuesday night that changed my life. I'll talk I'll about just... that more later. Question two. When was the last time Daphne had a cry like that? When was the last time? Daphne Sound of Key like writing that? confidently. <laughs> he looks like he knows what he's doing here. Oh, when there's one about, about a line, it comes as a blessing, really. <laughs> he looks like he knows what he's doing. Okay. Question three. What is the name and profession of the cricket? Okay, how are we doing there, folks? How are we doing? I've got, I've got... answers, but most are wrong. Yeah. Okay. I, how long have we got left on the exam, Dr. Carroll? Uh, we have... <laughs> that is all the questions. That is oh, all God she that. Do, do we get bonus points for penmanship? Uh, no, we do not. Thank, thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can remember your handwriting. And it's uh, it's like mine, which uh, is not a compliment. <laughs> okay. I, I hate to tell you, for all those answers, I've just drawn a little dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. So, uh, how many candles, Steve? I wrote 17 as a random guess. Okay. I wrote three. <laughs> it's five. It's five. <laughs> Key have half a point for being closest. Ooh, um, I will. I will be fair and give out half points elsewhere. Uh, what's the link between just Steve and the waiter? I I said yellow shirt. Steve, that's that, that's definitely probably correct. My my guess was they've both appeared in Fraser. <laughs> it is yellow shirt. <laughs> it is both of their uniforms are yellow. Uh, Virginia Madsen was nominated for an Oscar in which amazing 2004 film? Oh, it's going to be wrong then. I thought it was Cape Fear. No. I panicked and thought of films you might like and guessed Green Mile. Uh, both <laughs> kind of in it. No, it was Sideways. <laughs> Is that not oh, a, a Citizen Cope album? Sideways. That's I all know. I know it for. I don't know. It was. It's an Alexander Payne film. It had Paul Giamatti, Thomas Hayden Church, Sandra Oh and Virginia Madsen. It, really guilty that I've never heard it. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. It's a, it was really big in 2004. It's kind of it's all about like midlife crises in in California wine country. People relationships falling in and out of love. To be clear, that's what you were watching when you were nine. No, 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 no. I <laughs> I didn't watch it in 2004. I watched it the first year of undergrad, and oh, okay. uh, I just felt this just deep longing in my chest. Like this is art. This is art. Um, who was the composer? Mozart? I had Mozart. Yeah. It's Mozart. Very good. I wanted the Marriage of Figaro and the fourth movement of his 40th. I, I could have given you the Marriage of Figaro, but I couldn't have given you the other one. Mm. I just think 40 symphonies. That's too many. Yeah. Just just <laughs> call it a day around about five or six and <laughs> do something else. Um, how long is the scene? I'm going to come to you first, Stephen. Four minutes 26. Four minutes 26. Okay. Random guess. <laughs> I said six minutes forty-eight. Okay, we're gonna need a calculator. Uh it's <laughs> it's it's five minutes fifty-eight seconds, so I think that puts key closest. I would say, I would say key's closest. Uh, yeah. uh, so half a point for you, key. Five minutes fifty-eight seconds. Uh what are the two years of the wine vintage, Key? Uh the eighty-eight and the eighty-five. Very good. Okay. Steve's same Excellent. answer. Excellent. Okay, what's on the bottle? What's on the bottle, folks? What have we gone for? A, B, C, or D, Steve? Uh, I went with Rogers. Okay. I also went with Rogers. It's Adler's! It's oh! Adler's! 
Uh, Don't believe he, was... he copied my wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Adler, Aust- Austrian medical doctor, around at the same time as Freud. Yada, yada, yada. There we go. Uh, <laughs> MK, how many times does he dismiss and call on the violinist? Steve? Three. Key? I think four. I've got four. I've oh. got four here, uh, and I have to. I have to defer to the answers in front of me um, because I've, I've I've said Corey's been wrong a few times, and he's never, he's never. wrong. He's no. never wrong. Not once. Not once. I am frequently so. Um, <laughs> when was the last time Daphne had a cry like that, Kate? New Year's Eve. New Year's, New Year's Eve. Eve. Excellent, Steve. And yeah, Steve, New what's Year's the Eve. name and profession of the cricket? I believe he's called Bob, and he's an accountant. Yes, he is. And if listeners can't see this, I'm rubbing my hands together very quickly indeed. Okay, let's have a tot up of the scores, Stephen. Uh, I lost. I don't need. I don't need to know. He got way more than. I right would there. like to know your score, please. Well, I'd have to mark them again. I didn't tick anything, I, so I lost. What are you okay? trying to say, Craig? Um, Key, what was your score? I think seven, including the half marks. Very good indeed. Well, that's great. Let's say Steve got six. And I, it's I a pretty cl- was, yeah, I was close at a four or five. I think. You're thereabouts. Excellent stuff. Thank you so much, everyone, for a three Valentines edition of Trivia Corner. That was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, you two, for being such good sports and me thrusting you into a competitive game without having any prior warning. Um, let's get into the review. Animation Watch. I'm not going to ask you, Key, because you thought it was a slim, fast commercial. <laughs> Steve? the moon rising behind the skyline it was is it a moon or is it a sun well do you know what imdb states under its crazy credits that it's a sun but it kind of just looks like a full moon to me oh i think it, isn't it orange isn't it like yellow and orange well this has gone controversial hasn't it? i don't know oh. I, I really think it's a sun it could be a harvest moon Wow, I can't even get that right. I mean, come on. <laughs> come on. Give me a break, guys. Oh, I'm just I'm just going at you with a shiv here. <laughs> just going at you with a shiv. Um, Niles has got a date now with whom? Uh, Key? Uh, she's head of the wine club. I think we this get, is... Pr- do yeah, we, we don't get a name. No. I'm just looking for president. Yeah, no, pre- yeah, president, yeah. Pretty big leagues for Niles. I don't think this is quite, quite batting quite high for him. He's normally kind of scared and goes out with kind of strange people from Maris's circle. This seems pretty big. I imagine that Maris probably knows her. Yeah, I, I think she's very why. much Maris's circle, I imagine. Yeah. Um, I imagine a president of the wine club. I'm I'm not picturing, you know... The, the... Beauty. <laughs> is that what you're trying to say? I'm, okay. I, I'm I'm picturing someone very like Niles, to be honest. A bit bit plain, perhaps. That's one way of play. Yes, yes, a bit plain. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there would be some listeners listening here who would would attack us for even suggesting DHP is plain. That swimmer's build and jawline. Um, you know, well, we saw him without his trousers, and let me tell you. DHP in just socks with no trousers is a sight to behold. <laughs> <laughs> that it is. That it is. Um, I love this call with Francois now. And he said, well, what could I do? I threw a blanket over it. Like even <laughs> even his, his Francois, his wine buyer or someone at the restaurant he's going to. I think he's the restaurateur that's bringing the food and wine into 1901, isn't it? That's it. That's it. Um, so I love that even he knows of the existence of the chair, um, <laughs> which just only you know tells us how often he must talk about this. <laughs> what is the weird little aerial on the ironing board? I don't right. know. <laughs> so, so, so I know the answer. I, I presume I'm the oldest of the three of us here. Um, I believe that's actually what you'd put the cord onto so you don't iron over the iron cord. Wow. They wow. don't have them anymore, so they just expect me to die. No, don't they have a little like, sticky outy bit now at the bottom, don't they? That you you wrap it around. Yeah, you can put it around that. But, but I, but I presume that's what it is. It, it's to sort of hook the cable over so you're not sort of wrapped up in it yourself. Right. You you're supposed to wrap it around something. I def- <laughs> definitely do that. I definitely don't kind of just, you know, go go in bareback on my ironing. Um I definitely do it properly. Um yeah, I mean I wanted to just take a second to talk about I'm pretty sure I've gone on a rant on the podcast before. Um, where does it rank for you on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 being this is a brilliant chore, i.e. hoovering, which is unsurpassable, uh, versus you know 0 being I'd rather die than do this. Where's ironing fall for you? I, I haven't worn an iron shirt in about two years. That's right. Uh, and and you work in a profession <laughs> famous for shirts. That's <laughs> because you wear a jacket over the top and no one can tell how creased the shirt is. What what you've got summer? iron that front bit. No, no, every, every, no. You've got to pull it very tight round the back. What about <laughs> in the summer when you like taking your jacket off? 
my colleagues feel I don't, they think I don't feel the heat. <laughs> but you're doing, but it really, you just feel shame to a great, yes. <laughs> a great degree. Yeah. That's what they actually have aircon in lawyers' offices, purely because people that, don't actually iron their shirts. That, that is true. I I genuinely hate ironing with a passion. It's the one because the creases don't come out, guys. Okay, you can stand there all day with that little iron, and it doesn't do anything. Okay, it just pushes the creases around. It, no, I, I don't believe in ironing. This is why I brought it up. I. I cannot even begin to describe how much I hate it with, with a passion to the point where Charles like gets scared when the ironing board comes out because she knows the mood it's going to put me in. Um, well, you can sure. get it out. I can't even like detach the little legs. I, oh, I the arms are broken. I just started putting the ironing on the table and just using that and just balancing it on the table. Yeah, just destroying your table in the process. <laughs> it's all good, you know. And I'm not I even mean... getting rid of the creases. Ever since I started using that bed as the get the ironing board as the guest bedroom, I've really damaged the legs anyway. So you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to get it up. Uh, Steve, ironing. Do you iron? Oh, Does Elle iron a lot? She no, cooks your meals. No, no, no. <laughs> she, she would literally ignore the iron. If, if the iron board's coming out for me to wear a shirt or for her to wear a shirt, then it's me ironing it. I think we had this deal before that you were actually going to come and clean my bathroom, Will, because I was going to come and do your ironing. Because um, have talked that was about what that. that was what you actually said you'd rather clean my toilet than doing the ironing for yourself. I genuinely. <laughs> Genuinely, I genuinely would, um, you know, provided you haven't, you know, maybe been to an Indian restaurant the night before, um, you know, I, I need to go in there relatively, relatively safe. Um, Niles, an absolute moron now, he leaves the the iron on, on his clothing. Is he this stupid? Uh, is this a step too far in this Mr. Bean-esque um, kind of silent physical comedy? Because I do want to talk about this. DHP's brilliant. It does make me think of Mr. Bean and I hate Mr. Bean. Wow, you hate Mr. Bean. Um, some some listeners will be upset at that because he's I, even popular in America. I really hate Mr. Bean. In fact, let's take a second to talk about Bean. Um, <laughs> where Steve, your thoughts on Bean? Do you know what? Personally, I'm actually quite a fan of Rowan Atkinson. I actually oh, I love I, Rowan Atkinson. So I enjoy Mr. Bean because I was young when it first aired and I watched it as it mm. first aired. Um, I actually remember that there was a story okay. about a, a young baby that I don't think it had been kidnapped or snatched. Maybe it had. It had gone missing um, at a fairground or something around the week of the episode of Mr. Bean that has a baby that he finds and it's gone missing. And, they, and the BBC didn't air it because of that that news story hit and they had to take the episode away because they thought it'd be too distressing for the nation to watch a comedy God. about a baby being missing. And it aired like a few weeks later. I, I don't know why I even remember that. I was probably, I don't know, maybe seven, eight, nine. It was, it was a long time ago in the 90s. Jeez, I forget um, Bean has been going that long. Well, it hasn't. I, don't, I think the actual original Mr. Bean with, with Rowan Atkinson in like that, before the cartoons and the wacky stuff like that, I think it's only like 12 episodes. I don't think it's much at all. Two seasons of six That's episodes. very possibly. British, very British. Yeah, twi- yeah I think it's, a, it's an incredibly short show, really. But I know that a lot of um, listeners in America will probably actually really enjoy Mr. Bean. They find that comedy great. And, and it's, it's very, it is typically British, isn't it? Mm. What do you think, Kay? Where do you I lie just... on the Bean spectrum? Just uh, added on Steve's story, I love the fact that you know there's a, a, a you know a tragedy in the British public. A baby's gone missing, so the BBC pull an episode of TV. In the nineties, in in Australia, there was a tragedy in that a, a dingo killed someone's baby. And oh yet, God, don't know, don't mention American this. comedy rather than you know twice fully avoiding the issue, just go in on it and um, yeah. and just make it a, a source of, of comedy. Oh, yeah. That's that- Daphne does it in Frasier and um, uh, what's her name? Seinfeld. Yeah, Elaine does the same thing. That dingo's got your baby. I think the Simpsons do it as well. I think there's an episode where Bart calls Australia and goes, "Um, I think a dingo's eating your baby or something like Mm. that. And like Uh, this, it literally happened. It wasn't like a hoax. A dog genuinely stole a baby. I think... There were allegations it was a hoax, but I think it was subsequently found to be true. I I think... I think the di- I'll have to look it up. I don't want to be inaccurate. I think the mother was accused of killing the baby. She said it was a, a dingo, and that's kind of where the whole thing came around. I can't remember. Apparently it, was, it was massively distressing for Australia, obviously, that that happened. Mm. Um, and I know that there's a lot of people who really don't find the joke, even in Frasier or in Seinfeld, funny at all. Um, so like you say, how NBC got away with it twice in two of their shows. Um, th- yeah, yeah, totally, totally different to how the UK reacted to that baby that year. 
but um, in terms of bean i'm I'm a bit similar to you but i I don't mind it in very small doses Mm. but beyond that it frustrates me but i do love rowan atkinson and particularly i don't know if you've ever seen rowan atkinson stand up from when he was haven't actually it's very strong very strong really yeah he's a a natural i forget Um, that he would do that because i'm so used to seeing him thin blue line black adder you know mm, not not used to seeing him in that kind of context i guess he does a brilliant one where he I think he plays the devil, or at least some kind of greeting person in hell, and it's just it's wonderfully acted. He he, take, he has a pop at pretty much everyone on the planet, but he does it brilliantly. Um, really? So yeah, it's very it, you can get the short bits on YouTube. I'd very much recommend it. But mm. yeah, I find being frustrating, but I don't think this. <laughs> I I don't think. This I I like this scene. I think it's a phenomenal scene with the HP. I, I do enjoy it. I don't want to devalue it by comparing it to something that I, I hate. Um, because yeah, <laughs> this is genuinely good. Um, but I guess I don't know. I think I think I must just be someone who naturally doesn't necessarily have an affinity towards slapstick and physical comedy, maybe a way that I thought I did. Um, like Niles' delivery of lines for me, I'd always choose that over him physically doing something funny and and both are brilliant and he's great at both i mean the fire extinguisher going out of control here um and just coating the apartment have either of you ever wielded one i hope not yeah, but not and, and nothing if i was <laughs> the, the reason i don't think this goes too far is because i would do everything niles has done in this situation i am stupid enough to leave an iron on an ironing board and just go about milling about <laughs> doing other things and if I needed to grab a fire extinguisher, I wouldn't know what to do with it. I wouldn't even have to turn it on. So yeah, they're not this could super all happen for me. intuitive. Um, yeah. Steve, you ever wielded one of the big red machines? Well, never at an actual fire. However, um, before Uh-oh. I worked in the offices I work in now, um, they were they we we basically as a company sold off a, a building and went to a newer building, and the old building was going to get literally torn down and made into a waitrose, which never happened. It's now been completely leveled and made into flats. Um, but when the site was being sold, the last day we were in there, literally everything had to come out of the office and be moved. And someone said to me, can you go up to, since like two or three of us up, to the fifth floor uh, manager's offices and just see if there's anything of worth up there, clear out anything you don't need to, and, you know, get rid of stuff or whatever. And we went up there and a few of us just found uh, fire extinguishers and we were like, well, wonder what these do. I mean, like, you never get the opportunity just to unleash one of these just for no reason. No, you we don't. We literally just painted the walls with these fire extinguishers for about an hour and then went, no, nah, we'll leave this office as it is. And I went downstairs again. <laughs> but it was a brilliant way to say goodbye to an office that you'd worked in several years. Just go, do you know what? Let's just see what that foam one does. What's the CO2 one do? What's the water one do? Let's, let's wow. test these. I want, I want to actually feel how good this must be just to open it up and just let it rip and yeah just destroy this office and just, I, and just I, shut the door and went downstairs and forgot about it i genuinely thought what you said not in a real fire but in my weekly fire <laughs> alarm emergency <laughs> yeah, i'm always popping one off yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah. in real fires i have <laughs> i have like fake fires around the house i just generally put them out feel brave you know <laughs> yeah you have lived the modern masculine dream you've you've taken one off the wall and you said i wonder what it feels like to hold this heft in my hands and unleash it on a wall and you've done it, and I'm very like jealous. Seeing, it's like have you have you ever looked at the side of a bus where that says one of those big red buttons that says emergency stop? Oh yeah. How many times do you ever want to press that and just oh, think, wait, does that actually time. just literally whack all the brakes on that bus? You know, if that's all going all the time. If it's driving along and I open my car window and lean out and press emergency stop, I just look at my rearview mirror, watch the bus be miles behind me. <laughs> I don't know what that button actually does. What does it do? <laughs> Just well, don't don't press it, listeners. But you know, someone out there's probably going to know. If everyone's um, got a decommissioned bus, just go and press that button and let me know what it does, because yeah. I'm desperate to know. Uh, how Steve it, fulfills his life dreams. Anything like to decommission. It, it is. It is. You've, yeah. got, you've got to test these things. For, for the whole of your life, you're told, don't touch that. Don't touch that. You need to find one that's decommissioned so you can actually finally touch it and go, huh, it's not that exciting. All right. Like they cut the wire on this. On yeah, yeah. <laughs> with uh, my life. <laughs> is it ever explained how the couch gets fixed? No. Biggest, no, biggest so. goof in TV that it's literally just never mentioned ever Really, again. really frustrating. Um, you know, I, we cut the show, it's due, where, you know, it doesn't often need us to do that, but that's really annoying. The couch is literally famous for being bespoke, you know, Coco Chanel replica, expensive. You can't do something like that. It's like, I don't know, if the central pillar by the telephone had been knocked through and then it was there next. You can't do it. It's like structurally integral to the set. 
Do we think this is a standalone episode? It was done as a Valentine's special, never to be mentioned. Because it doesn't actually... Uh, well, I suppose actually Cassandra is in future episodes. This is her first appearance. So there but, is some continuity implied, yeah, yeah. But only with her, because they never again mention anything that happens in this episode. Mm-hmm. It's it just sort of... One. Do you see what I mean? It, it could be just a standalone episode. Um, just to bring something up quickly, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Jacqueline Humphrey, uh, my my dear friend who actually lives in Toronto and is a Blue Jays fan. Um, hey. She sent the podcast a message just to say you didn't know if we knew. And as it's this episode, she says, a fun fact, I've learned over the years that David Hyde Pierce actually filmed the opening sequence in one take and without a studio audience due to safety concerns. They played the film segment to the studio audience later to get the laughs. Wow. Which I thought it was quite an interesting way because obviously with the fire, with the fire extinguisher, etc. Mm. Um, yeah, you're not going to have a studio audience that close. Um, and I imagine they then had to clean up a hell of a lot of mess, probably get rid of that fake sofa, get the new one back in, and uh, clear up all the books because everything in that apartment actually gets sprayed with fire extinguisher. Yeah, I wonder how they do that. It's like they're a thin layer of plastic on things. Or... I'd imagine they just get copies and just chuck those books away and just put new ones in their place or just God. put different dust jackets back on. I, I don't know, but yeah. It's a bit of a clean-up job for a studio, isn't it? it certainly is. Um, I love Fraser's segment in this episode a lot. Like his his segment is my favorite by far. Mm. Um, could be controversial because people love this episode for, for for DHP, but I just think it's a brilliant setup. This kind of is she, isn't she? Mixed signals um, on a kind of like just incredibly rapid level, like in, in a sentence. Fraser's up, down, up, down like four <laughs> times, and it's just like it's it's you know I've never been in a in a situation like that. In fact, I'll, I'll say later that the situation he finds himself in is incredibly strange. And like, I'm, <laughs> I'm completely on Frasier's side. You know, she wants him to undress and get into bed with him, but she's also just going to, you know, she barely, barely knows him. Um, it's just really, you know, why wouldn't she, why wouldn't Frasier's offer to sleep on the floor? I, I, I don't know. It's, but we'll get there. Um, Ross is on the date with Bob. Uh, the cr- the cricket because he rubs his hands together really fast during sex. How would this even work? Because where where are his hands? You know, <laughs> in, in what in what position is Bob finding himself able to just rub his hands together really quickly? Like I don't know, is it like before it's just before, before he starts? Event? That's how he that's how he warms himself <laughs> up. He's ready to go in <laughs> before before the main course. He's like, right here we go. You know, just like we do before we took into a burger. Um, I just I don't know any any thoughts on this, Steve. Any 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 ideas? Nothing that I can say publicly on a podcast. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to lose my job. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it it's a great it's a great gag because don't you call him the cricket because he drones on and on? No, this is what we call it. Um, so yeah, listeners, if you've got any, if you want to draw a diagram of how you think Bob <laughs> Bob achieves both intercourse and cricket like sounds with his hands. I'd be I'd be curious to see it. I, I really would. Um, so please send that in. Um, the the violinist at the restaurant, proper snooty little fellow. Um, Key, can you remember his kind of little j- little jab at, at Frage early oh, yeah. on? If, if you want to be romantic, you should have take uh, done a coat check yourself or paid for a coat check. Co- do you do you coat check, Key? You go to fancy places. Do you ever coat check? Um, when I go for work, yeah, because we you take you you drop in your bag in your coat. So yeah, you have to you have to coat check. Are you not allowed uh, but... <laughs> to take your coat to the table, or is it like that's really, you um, know, that's really it... proletariat of you? So because like you, there's so much sort of mingling and networking, you it gets in the way. So you do just like check everything, but it doesn't fill you with confidence because then when you go back to get it at the end of the night, you can see them. They look at the ticket, they get confused, they're not sure what to do, and after two minutes, you just go. Actually, that that really cheap tatty bag there, like <laughs> the Adidas bag surrounded, like the fifteen-year-old Adidas bag surrounded by the Gucci bags. It's that, that one's one. mine. Um, so can I just take it, please? Um, That's so humbling. <laughs> remar- remarkably little security, a bit like that. Um, but no, it's a. It, what I love about this scene is I love the the juxtaposition from the first scene. Niles is Valentine compared to Frasier's because. In Niles, I mean, the fact that that was done in one take, that's just astoundingly good. Oh, it is. The HP. Like, so good. We, I know you're not a huge fan of flat slapstick, but the idea of, in a comedy in the 90s, you know, okay, one thing going back to the days of Laurel and Hardy and all the rest of it, but in the 90s, there was a, a six-minute or so opening where mm. the only speaking, I think, is when he's on the phone to Francois and that's it. I think the rest of it is all silent and it's, well, it's just, 
DHP, the physical acting. Mm. It, I mean, that's phenomenal in itself. But then you just you just see the the two sides of the writing from the writers in a sense that obviously you know they've still they've crafted that scene for DHP. You've still got that physical comedy, but they they show the other side of it in terms of the quick dialogue in Frasers because that is so so dialogue heavy you know we do get a bit of physical comedy with sending the violinist back and forth and all the rest of it but the the way him and cassandra bounce off each other in the will they won't they that you know for you know must be about 10 minutes or so mm. it works staying, beautifully staying on the uh the niles opening do you guys actually know who directed this episode uh i'm gonna guess kelsey it is it's kelsey, kelsey. ah there we go <laughs> So it just, it just shows again for him, for him. I mean, his first ever episode he directed was Moon Dance, and that's mm. one of the only ones. You know, you know when they're dancing, um, Daphne and Nars are dancing. You see all that over the top, um, sort of over the head, yeah, uh, scene. You don't see that in any other episode. Kelsey went out for his first time and went, "I'm going to prove I can direct. Let me move all the cameras into these, you know, various different places that we've never seen on this sitcom." And then for this, you know. Rob Hanning, the writer, obviously came up with probably this sketch at the start, and Kelsey went, "Yeah, I can direct that. This is this is my episode. I'm going to do this." And maybe that's why he had a smaller part in the middle section. But to direct David Hyde Pierce to do that, mm. um, that's got to be a lot of work as well. You know, making sure the dog's in the right place. Matilda yeah. DeCagney had a good job to try and actually keep that dog. At one point, the dog even gets sprayed with the fire extinguisher and just stays there. Most dogs would have gone, sod that, and, and sort of backed away. Why the hell are you spraying me for? Dogs don't normally react that well to being sprayed in the face with water, let alone, you know, fire a extinguisher. fire extinguisher on a set that's then got something burning as well. Mm. That dog is very, very well trained, as we know. But, you know, to direct that whole thing and have fire going on on one side, a dog on the other, him with a fire extinguisher in the middle. It's an absolutely insane scene. Yeah, it, it really is. is. It really it, is. It builds beautifully in the sense that it's... It, obviously, it goes up levels and levels and levels up until the end of the scene. But I, I don't think it ever becomes. It, it's obviously slapstick. But I don't think it ever becomes too far fetched or anything like that. No. I think every element of it is you can buy into it. And mm. okay, you have to you you have to buy into Niles's aversion to blood in order to make it work. But other than that, it works. It's not. It doesn't go beyond the, the realms of believability and, and realism. So it it's just it's phenomenally good as an opening to any episode. Mm. It is. It's, it is really good. I will mention. Um, I think she is a listener now, a, a member of Fraser Fan Club. Uh, Kim Bradley actually commented on our podcast post that she actually skips the opening scene because she doesn't like it. Really? Purely because it's got controversial. She says she just doesn't like that kind of com- that. That's just a scene that doesn't sit well with her. She just she prefers the rest of the episode. So she actually mm. skips that opening scene. Everyone's been told to opinion. I've got nothing against that. I, I found that actually really interesting because she's a massive, massive fan of the show and literally knows it inside out. You could ask her anything about any episode and she'll pretty much pick the scene for you in the quote, but doesn't like that. Doesn't like that scene. Mm. It's really interesting. I'd be really interested to know whether she likes, when we see it in smaller eyes, is it the length of slapstick that she doesn't like in the sense of she doesn't mm. want to watch it for six minutes or so? so for instance, I can't remember what it was. There's an episode where Niles falls over in the boat, and I remember Will you saying about how he's uh, really high good. High crane drifter. Yeah, which really mm. good physical comedy. Yeah. And I'd be really interested to see, you know, for that, would that still, would she not laugh at that? Or does that get a laugh, but she doesn't like it yeah, extended? It'd be, I'd be yeah, really interested to know the mm. different. Kim, if you are listening, please write in and tell us exactly why you don't like this scene. Because yeah, we I'm are interested. <laughs> we are indeed. Um, can you even imagine being with someone like Cassandra who kisses everybody on the lips. Um, I'm going to be honest now. Kissing on the lips is, you know, it's reserved for me. I, it's a very reserved thing. I wouldn't be comfortable. Um, and I wouldn't want to do that. I think other people wouldn't want to be kissed on the lips as well. Um, I don't know. It's just, I, I, Frasier's obviously thinking, oh, great, she's kissing me on the lips. Here we go. Oh, she's kissing that guy on the lips as well <laughs> when's this gonna end so yeah it's it's a funny one have have we ever met or been with people who are like that who are overly affectionate perhaps there is i could name quite a few people probably i mean he's probably the same when you when you meet a group of people there's quite often that that one that wants to literally shake hands hug kiss you know kiss both way you know left and right you know and you're yeah. like oh just you know, how many more formalities? A handshake is as good as a hug, as Mother used to say. Do you know what I mean? we, don't need, we don't need that. And I, I think, yeah, some people are very, very over 
over affectionate, aren't they? Especially mm. like, I mean, Key, Ke- what's it like for you at work? Do you have that with, you know, like what you say, what do clients you... expect? Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, is it just a handshake, very formal, sit down, here's your chair, and we'll talk? Or is it, is there a lot of people that are like that with you? Uh, no, no, it is a, it is a handshake. Um, there is, there is one, I've been kissed on one occasion. It was done in jest by a, a someone much older than me. Um, but, <laughs> wow. but um, yeah. No, have you kind of perfected your business handshake? I mean, are you you're gripping pretty hard. I hope. I it is quite a firm grip. Yeah. Good, good. Because <laughs> I you always remember a limp handshake. You yeah. always do. You uh, you're, you're right, and I always lean in. I I don't know why. I always right foot slightly forward, a slightly lean motion. Like I've gone nice. in handshake slightly too early, but it is planned. Okay. I can see you as a you go in for the handshake, but then you bring the other arm round for the <laughs> forearm grab to really oh. solidify. <laughs> The friendship and you're like oh, it's great to be here with you you're trapped here okay mate you can't go yeah. <laughs> you're coming like, to my basement <laughs> when, when you say about the limp hand uh the handshake it's almost worse when someone gives you the limp handshake but then holds your hand and you're still talking to them going how long are we holding hands for? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's been, yeah it's been an eternity now it's been, it's been three seconds but you're like can I can I take my hand? No, you're still holding. Okay, I'll just continue to talk to you. And then they're and then they're saying, and this is Jim over here, and pointing out someone. You're going, yeah, but you're still holding my hand. Can I go and hold Jim's now? Like still he's over it. there. Look, <laughs> stop introducing me to everyone holding my hand. Still, let me go. <laughs> um, Frazier finds himself in the tenth circle of hell now, which is Cassandra's hotel room, and he's trying to navigate his way out like Dante himself. His sliding up of the aerial in that kind of churlish way, like. And then just clear when she goes to the bathroom. I love that. That I mean, physical comedy there from Kelsey. Just the way he does this because he's so annoyed um, kills me. Are we brandy drinkers? I know you are, Steve. Um, I'm fairly confident you enjoy a brandy. <laughs> um, occasionally, yeah. Occasionally. Key, have you ever had a snifter? I, I've definitely had brandy, but not with any kind of frequency. I can probably count on one hand the amount of times I've had brandy. Is is? Can you just set the scene for me at the place where you work, which I won't name, of course. Is it Suits-esque where you go into a partner's office and there's a crystal <laughs> decanter of an amber liquid there and it's like, look, it's eight in the morning. We've had a busy week. Have a, have a measure. I, I'm very sorry to tell you it is really not like that anymore. Is there any alcohol so- <laughs> anywhere on the premises or is that not um, allowed? Um, there, There'll be some alcohol like in probably in the basement for work functions. Mm-hmm. Whether it is in date or not, I'm not so sure. But so gone, are the, gone are the a... days of day drinking in the <laughs> yes, office. Pr- I was going to say, it's more of a bottom drawer of the filing cabinet late on a Friday night with two muggers, <laughs> is it? You know, just, yeah, you've got alcohol in the office. Just sneak... <laughs> it's like the cinema, you've got to sneak your own in. Okay. <laughs> well, it's weird. You should mention that, actually. I went to see The Woman in Black at the Alex on Thursday evening, Key. We were talking about the theatre yes. when we saw each other on Sunday. Theatre etiquette now is in the garbage can. I tell you what, it's all the rage. This is everything that everyone is talking about in the papers is theatre etiquette, and it really irritates me. I'm a bit of a... Uh, Food yeah. is now allowed in theatres, apparently, yeah. and they sell popcorn at the Alex. There were people with popcorn rustling and packets, and I was with I was with kids on the school trip. If my kids so much as bloody breathed too loud, I was I was flipping on them, like, <laughs> like, be quiet. And then I've got like, members of the public next to me who left their rubbish there. Um, and I've just I, I came away from the whole experience so angry at the general public. But it's important, but it's it's becoming a real thing. I know there's been a lot of one has become a theme in terms of what you've just said in terms of people making too much noise, rustling that people are treating it. I I don't even like people making noise at the cinema. That irritates me. But people are oh, treating God. it like a cinema where you've not got live performers trying to do a job in front of you. But yeah, um, it's really interesting. I was reading a review this morning for Plaza Suite, which is on in London at the moment, starring Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick. Oh, they're, they're married, aren't they? They are married and yeah, they play yeah. a couple in the play. Um, yeah. And it's really interesting because it's really irritated regular theatre goers that people are going for these two star names. And every time they walk on stage, there's a rapturous ovation and applause and people like cheering. You, I mean, they've not even said a line. do that. Um, and it, yeah, it's really interesting. But you're right. I think that certainly whether it's since the pandemic or whether maybe it was coming on before that, we just didn't notice. But yeah, theatre etiquette is, is, yeah, people need an etiquette lesson. They do. They do need <laughs> an etiquette lesson. Um, I'm going to say now the third and final part of the 500,000 
giveaway quote that you need. So you need to listen back to the first two episodes, uh, last two episodes to get the kind of signature line from each episode that we put. You put the three together and you send them to us to enter our raffle. I'm going to say that it is runway lights on the mattress um, <laughs> because it's it's unique enough to be our, our kind of catchphrase. Uh, but I also just absolutely love it. Now, what do you need? Run my lights on the mattress. So that is the third and final secret passcode. You need to listen to the last two episodes to get your special quote and put send the three of them to us. We'll put a post up on, on Facebook or something. Steve will sort it out. He is the competition man. Um, and yeah, you can enter our half a million listener giveaway. Um, slippers. Did you find the slippers? I love this. I'm sure there's something in the wardrobe you can slip into. That's not, that doesn't mean <laughs> slippers. Okay, or, or she says you could slip on. Can, can I ask a question of both of you? If you're in this situation, what are you doing? I'm, I'm, I think you're going to ask me, do I wear no, slippers? No, I've no, got some right here. Um, what am I doing? I yeah. am genuinely, genuinely staying clothed and I'll wait till she comes out the bathroom and I'll say, I don't want to make this weird, but are we on the same page here? Um, and then she's inevitably going to say, I thought this was a business thing. And I'll be like, no problem. See ya. Um, I'm not getting into bed with her thinking <laughs> if I move, I could lose my job. <laughs> um, I don't know. Steve, what are you doing? I think I'm, 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 I'm not with you. I'm with you <laughs> on the fact that I'd probably sit on the sofa. I think fully clothed, sit on the sofa. When she comes back out, but, not, but when then she when, when she comes out in a nightgown, she, you know, she said, aren't you coming to bed? You'd be like, oh, yeah. And then start undoing your shirt. You so Steve's got there. no issues with potentially losing his job. He's <laughs> There's not an issue. If that's what she wants in your interest, I don't see the problem with the relationship. I just think maybe he shouldn't be taking all his clothes off, jumping around, putting them back on, phoning people, etc. She's not in there for that long. I mean, yeah. could you even... just ask? I mean, I'm going to be honest, maybe I'm doing it wrong, but if someone said to me, do you want to make yourself more comfortable? I wouldn't assume that to mean strip. No, um, I would sit down a few steps first. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'd probably sit on that sofa or the chair behind and just wait for the next move from her. When she comes out, she says, we've had a brandy. Have you changed your shoes? I'm getting into bed. Would you like to join me? You know, I think now nah, that's kind of runway lights on the mattress, isn't it? That That yeah. is... But at the time it's... saying, did you find them? And her going, him going, sorry... Uh, yes. <laughs> Honestly. Which is like, do you understand what I mean? I, I truly don't know. Which <laughs> <laughs> is just brilliant. Um, so Cassandra, they get into bed. She starts snoring. Okay. That is the kibosh on Frasier's oh. plans for lust. Are we sure that Cassandra thinks it's a work thing? Because she does what? say earlier on that she's a lightweight. She mm. could have just fallen asleep. But she also says, I can't believe how late it is, with the implication that, is I'm not staying up for a minute longer. That is also true. I just but, don't know. But she falls asleep, so she can't have been in, a, in an amorous mood, shall we say. Um, I just don't think that's... I don't know. She does She does think he's the sexiest man in radio. Right. She also thinks the maitre d' is the sexiest maitre d' in Seattle. <laughs> she <laughs> needed a backup option, Steve. Okay, she might not did, have gone well. And she found him. Um, he was after three Valentines. <laughs> <laughs> so, Frasier phones Roz, uh, who's probably mid-cricket sex at this point. Um, so, not the best one to be calling. Roz picks up, though, um, which, you know, fair play. That's really going above and beyond, I think. Um, you know, the, the guy's there, rubbing his hands together, and she's thinking, right, here's my... T- I'll quickly grab the phone. Um... Now we cut to the final and, and briefest segment of this episode. Uh, and and let's be frank, the, the weakest. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot going on here other than not Martin and Daphne with their kind of lovely father-daughter relationship, which obviously Martin <laughs> despises. Um, you know, some sweet moments because Daphne clearly is quite lonely. It's quite inexplicable, her loneliness. You know, she's a very eligible woman um, and she's very outgoing and has had plenty of dates in previous episodes. I just, yeah. And Seattle's a big place. I wonder why she's struggling so much. Do we, any of us have any thoughts on that? I don't think there is any rational explanation for it. They, mm. we, we are sort of led to believe that Daphne is either very eligible or that she's not and nobody wants her at all. There never seems to be an in-between with Daphne. Yeah. you know, um, It's either Niles going crazy with jealousy because you know, the Viking is on the scene or um, <laughs> Eric the Red uh, or or 
she's doing absolutely nothing and she laments that she doesn't have a love life at all and it, yeah it doesn't really make any sense at all other than just to to be a convenient gag when they need it really i don't know whether there was any trepidation that they they wanted to keep daphne single for niles or to keep that option open given sort of fan reception and, and perception towards the two of them i don't know but um yeah it's it's a bit of a strange one it, it just it she exists her love life exists for comedic purposes and nothing further mm. yeah but you know, yeah. that, that's the way i'd see it. i mean this this third part is purely so they could call it three valentines isn't it double yes. valentines doesn't yeah. work the crane boys do valentines doesn't work it's so martin gets out of the house and you know who better to use than Daphne? You've got your five cast members in here. Uh, Ros is only in it for a few bits, but it brings Daphne and Martin some work, and it makes three Valentines sound a lot better, doesn't it? And you, you know you've got three completely different scenes. Um, it's the only reason I can think that Daphne is actually included in this because neither her or Martin were actually dating anyone at this time, were they? So they didn't want to bring in a new person. They'd already brought in a new person with Cassandra. If they'd have brought in another one, they might have to be more continuous. Uh, continuity you know yeah, and, and yeah. with this we didn't need it um because cassandra is a work colleague um which gives fraser a date so and, i think that, and, that go on i think if they'd have tried to have done it in such a way that maybe martin or daphne were just doing a first date and now meeting someone maybe it goes dreadfully and it ends within a few minutes mm. I, just, I think that you you would have needed to have cut time from one of the first two because i don't think you could do that in the yeah. very very short period of time that we have for the third segment and mm. Um, you know, Will may disagree. He may want to cut the first segment slightly, but I don't think <laughs> no, you can take I don't any time. I, from the first I think I want to cut it. I think it's just an uncomfortable proximity to being for me. Okay, and, and I've never really thought about that before. And I don't know. I'm, I, the I unbearable really... likeness of being. Hey, the unbearable <laughs> likeness of being. Very, very good. You, you bloody witticisms. You. Um, I love that. Uh, top ten, Caitlin. Oh. You know what? I really do love this episode for a lot of readers. I feel like we've we've focused on its drawbacks maybe slightly more than its its positives. I think the opening is phenomenal, even more so that it's only one take. It's yes, phenomenally, phenomenally good. It is great. The interplay between Cassandra and Frasier, I could watch that for that could have been an episode in itself. Just watching yeah. their back and forth mm. and him trying oh, to work that could out be the a whole app, yeah, of that the day. relationship. The the third segment is weak. I'll give you that. There's not a great deal mm. to it. Mm. Um, I find Martin a little weird in that bit, particularly when the coat check girl. Uh, well, the coat check <laughs> girl, but also when he, she's before she says, "You're more like my pet," um, and she says, "Like, oh, you're like my," and he's like, "Yeah, go on, say." It just the way he leans in and says, "Go on, what, what do you say? What you think?" It just it's a bit weird for me because of their existing relationship. Yeah, they shouldn't necessarily entertain. It could be anything else, and. Yeah. For Daphne, it never would be, but for Marty, he's thinking, oh, what if she finds me attractive? I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's a bit odd because he's clearly just taken offence at being told he's yeah, like her dad. Yeah. So it, that 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 segment falls a bit flat for me. But I what I do really really love about this episode is that everyone gets their opportunity to shine. Um, Daphne and Martin mm. less so, but we get huge. I mean, there's how many episodes have we have we been when we've talked about best actor pick and we said, oh, we've only really got one choice. It's got to be this person. But here. David Hyde Pierce and Kelsey both have ample opportunity to show what they do, and they, they do, do it fantastically. They do. Um, we we get nice snippets of Roz over the phone and that little interplay with her. You know, she gets a good few comedic lines in there. Um, I think it's a really, really strong episode. Now, is that enough to make top ten? No, it's not. It, it does fall short because I think I think it needs that something extra to make top ten for me. Um, but it's a really, really strong episode. I really enjoyed this episode, uh, and maybe it's, maybe I'm influenced by the season. But I really enjoyed this episode. Excellent stuff, Stephen. Mine's a lot shorter. It's not in my top ten. <laughs> um, no, that's not it. Um, it would be wrong of me to put this in my top ten, considering I didn't even put Ham Radio in my top ten, which upset Will more than anyone. That is um, that is outrageous, but it, it's fine. exactly. Um, again, touch on a few things at Keys. I think the opening, personally, I think it's strong. I think the silent comedy is actually really, really funny. I think David Hyde Pierce knocks it out of the park with mm. the physical comedy. Like I say, the interplay between him, the dog, the food, everything he does. You know, even the walking with scissors when he realises that he shouldn't be running with scissors. Yeah. 
um, things like that. Um, you've you've got the past of Kelsey, like like he said, you know, the, the violinist and the confusion with uh, Cassandra. You know, do you know what I'm thinking? No, I I pretty don't. <laughs> um, all that sort of thing, you know. Him uh, when he gets, I think there's, there's a part where he takes his shirt off and it gets stuck on his wrist or on his arm, and he's pulling his um, sort of his hand over his other hand and round the back of his head trying to get the shirt on and off. His physical comedy, I think, this is one of Kelsey's best physical performances with things like that, putting his shoes on and off and taking his trousers on and off he's very up down very quickly um like i say it, it in yeah like he says it, it does lack a bit with the daphne and martin thing it's quite clear they're probably not a couple daphne's under 30 and martin's 66 67 by this mm. point it's, but, it's, but it's as probably... he says lots of guys my age can date lots of girls like you you know like he's kind of angling i don't know yeah just remember martin it's not dating when you're an occupying force as we heard before <laughs> um it's not. It's not in my top ten. I can. I can happily say. So, Doctor Carol, is it? Is it in yours? It's not in my top ten, which would of course made it my final entry and my favourite episode of the whole show, which still remains to be discovered. Uh, I will say, people do keep sending in their uh, their suggestions, what they think it might be. So, do keep the guesses coming. Um, I'll try and arrange some kind of mini prize for those who for those who <laughs> get it. Um, but yeah, please, Keith, have you? Have you got like a? Have you kept track of your top ten? Have you, are you like me in that it's it's absolutely locked in? Or are you a little bit more fluid and you have to go back and remind yourself of what you picked? Um, I'm pretty confident I could get the vast majority of what I picked, but there's one or two I'd need to double check because so, I can't remember how many outstanding you might be. I think um, we've be... definitely I've definitely missed some that would have been in my top ten. Right. Okay. So yeah, we'd have. I'd have to almost sit down and maybe when we do the the end of season recap um you could maybe just quickly scan through what would have been and then we can yeah yeah, then we can know where we are um excellent stuff actor i have gone for fraiche um he just kills it kelsey does in this ep um it's the it's the panicked dressing and undressing it's the aerial on the phone it's the kind of yeah just absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, I just think he's he's phenomenal, uh, and he's just yeah. I, I I love this kind of arc now with Cassandra and Faye, which I just think is superb. Um, so I've gone for I've gone for him. Who have you gone for, Steve? Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I think Kelsey. I, I, it's not against David I. Pierce. I think it is an outstanding entrance. I just I think I like Kelsey's deliveries of lines, which obviously David I. Pierce doesn't have in this, other than the first tiny little sentences he has on the phone. I just think, yeah, Kelsey, like I say, the, the part where he can't get that shirt off nails it for me. I don't know why. It's such a stupid you know, moment. But him struggling to take his own shirt off and then trying to get it back on again. And, and like I say, with the shoes and the slippers and the deliveries of certain lines, I, I, yeah, it's, it's Kelsey for me. Who have you gone for, Kay? Uh, I'm going to be the voice of dissent here, I think. Uh, Excellent. Good. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I've got to give it to DHP. I just think it's it's nice. phenomenally, phenomenally good. I mean, I'm not someone who loves slapstick at all. It's got to mm. be spot on for me to to like it. And But just to have an opening like that, there's so much pressure on DHP to make that. Everything has to be perfect because mm. with that, in the absence of the dialogue, if you don't get that spot on, it becomes a really, really long opening segment that people are just trying to get through to get to the next bit. And I would have loved to have known because it works so perfectly because it is so good, but it'd be really interesting to know whether how much discussion there was in the writer's room about which segment to put first. Do you go with, you know, do you go with DHP and just, you trust him to, to carry it off? Would you have rather gone with the safe bet, which is probably Frazier and, and Cassandra. But I think for, for me, if you can go, you know, six minutes into a comedy show with with little to no dialogue, and just make it work. You, oh, that's it's so brave as a, as a comedic actor. It's so strong. So I've got to I've got to give it to DHP. Excellent stuff. Very well argued. I think a lot of people uh, would have agreed with you uh, as well there. So you're not. not. Uh, Kennedy Burling, our man on the ground. Do we know what his signature Valentine's Day move is to make it clear he's sexually interested in a partner? This is of course pre marriage to mrs burling um he's very much a you know monogamous man these days <laughs> but back when he was a cat out on the town do we know what his signature move was he's at the bar and he wants to get it on what's he doing he lit up the lights on the runway 
But <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they weren't lights, they were candles. Oh, um, a massive fire hazard. So fire extinguishers are also needed. Uh, and my God, does he know how to wield one? Uh, Steve, have you heard? Have you been out on a, on a on a kind of drinking session with him? I know you knew him back in the day, uh, well, you know, he's, your college days. He's always told me that since he's been with Mrs. Burling, he actually always hires the uh, same private violinist uh, every oh, year. Oh, every man. year, and he loves the G string. Which actually, can I <laughs> can I just can I just <laughs> ask you one question actually about Peter Waldman, who plays the violinist in this episode? I would love for you to ask me a question about Peter Waldman. You're going to get it just from literally what I've just said. He was also uh, appeared in the TV shows Ugly Betty, Malibu CA and USA High. What part do you think he played in all three of those? Surely not. Really? He's a violinist (laughs) in all of them. I presume that guy really does play violin and he gets cast as a violinist every time. (laughs) Fair play. If you do something well, just, you know, make money from it. It made me wonder, did he play the same piece of music in every single... He just knows that one trick, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He can, he can say, you should have checked their coat, and he just plays the violin in the same way every single episode. But yeah, I just thought that was quite interesting. He is cast as a violinist on multiple occasions. At what stage is it cheaper just to cut the background from this episode of Frasier, pay the copyright, and just put it into <laughs> the next TV show? Yeah. <laughs> It's probably exactly how it happens. Yeah, mate. You know that. You know that song, don't you? We're doing a vo- uh, Valentine's special. Bring your violin along. Bring your violin. <laughs> You've got the part. Um, excellent. All that remains is to play "Who's Crazy Anyway," the ridiculously stupid game that I made up, where I give you a single line uh, or word from the episode. It has to be a unique word, although I've gone afoul on my own rules a few times. It has to be a word that's only used once in the episode. The word is sharing. Okay, who uses the word sharing? I think the two of them are rubbing chins. I was actually rubbing my hands together. Um, Rubbing your hands together like the cricket? Key, I'm going to push in here. I think it's Cassandra. I think she says, if you don't mind sharing. A bottle of wine. Mm. You're both ruddy bloody correct. (laughs) You've we only got on that. It. Honestly, <laughs> there's my Valentine. The two of you getting one right. <laughs> That's incredibly, incredibly satisfying. All that remains is to jump over to listener mail, shall we? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Raz, who's our next caller? Okay, listener mail this week. Uh, we've heard from a few of you uh, responding to the reels, actually, um, that we put up on socials. Um, I don't think we've put out a kind of official call for listener mail for this one, but plenty of you have been able to get in touch regardless. Uh, Anne Hodges uh, says, great episode. What more can be said about DHP's physical comedy in the opening scene? It's phenomenal. But I've always wondered what happened afterward. He set the Coco Chanel couch on fire. Frazier's story was very well acted. I get frustrated just watching it. I love Virginia Madsen and just about everything she does, but I don't love Cassandra. I'm not a gay woman, but her monologue about wine in Sideways makes me a little bi-curious. If you haven't seen Sideways, do yourselves a favour and check it out ASAP. Daphne's line about Martin being her pet makes me laugh out loud every time. Nine out of ten. Uh, yeah, Sideways, people. Go and watch it. It's bloody great. <laughs> Uh, is it me next? Uh, it Laura is. Patricia, unpopular opinion, but my favourite of the three is Martin and Daphne. I love how it ends up with her talking to the nice waiter and Martin floating with a cute coat check girl. Honourable mention also goes to the sassy violin player in Fraser's segment. <laughs> there we go. Well, if you want his sass elsewhere, you know where to find it now. Key, do you want to read a couple out from yours? Yes, we've got uh, Abigail Rose Cerrone who says, absolute masterclass scene in comedy. Um, mm. And that could be any of them, to be honest. I'm going to assume it's DHP, <laughs> yeah. you know what I've said. But... I think it is. Um, and then next we've got uh, Maribel Garavito, who says, Noel's scene is one of the best in television, period. And I very much agree with that. High praise. Lindsay LeBlanc says, I still don't know what the damn ironing board metal rod stick thing accessory is used for. <laughs> You're not alone, Lindsay, but hopefully you've got an answer from ironing extraordinaire Steve Mutum today. Uh, there's not a material this man hasn't ironed, um, and he knows what he's talking about. Uh, Tonya Stefanski says, my favourite scene of all time, which is in reference to DHP. Great stuff. Uh, Katie Wright, yes, I absolutely love this one. And Sherilyn Peterson Trotter, comedy gold. Mm. Uh, Edwina Hayes, uh, yay. Yay. (laughs) Sometimes a word is enough. (laughs) That's a fan. Uh, And then we've got um, Enriching Endeavours, who says it's a beyond perfect scene. 
Kaz Morris says one of the most unforgettable openings. DHP deserves all the superlatives. Uh, and the Deadliest Dead says every single nuance in this entire episode is perfectly executed by every single actor, in my opinion. If someone hasn't watched the show, but you want to show them an episode, this is it. That's good stuff. In fact, we've talked about this before, I think. What is your the episode you show people that maybe haven't seen the show to get them hooked? And I think I'd probably go with Ham Radio or The Ski yeah. Lodge. Um Probably when, ham radio. <laughs> when um, I introduced, well, I got when I got Steph to watch an episode of Frasier, it was ham radio. But this would be up there because it gives everyone time. You get to know all of the characters at least yeah. in part. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a very useful one to to have in your go to. Mm. I would have to go back to the first episode I ever saw, which was the two Mrs. Cranes. It got me hooked, yeah. and I know that, that you don't you don't know what's going on with the Maris thing, but you kind of work out quite quickly that they're all just lying and. It's just hilarious that it's that kind of farcical scene, isn't it? It's quite very well written, and it just it introduces everyone, even in a false way. I don't know why, but the the thing, the mo- main thing that always sticks in my head from that episode is is Martin saying, "You know, people thought he was called Buzz Aldrin because he got, he went fast. <laughs> Not true. He was scared of bees. Scared of bees. I don't know why that. Yeah, I always I always think of you when I hear that line. <laughs> um, I love that." Uh, right well that has been an absolute pleasure to have the three of us in the same chat for the first time ever to do to share our valentine love um next episode it is to tell the truth does that ring a bell does that ring a bell (laughs) yeah it is yes it is it is is to tell the truth um and yeah you should be if all has gone to plan listening to this episode on valentine's day so i hope you're spending it however you would like to uh, and that you are happy and have enjoyed listening to the three of us but other than that i have been will i've been key and i've been steve and thank you very much for listening to we're listening Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Oh my And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegs Ha, 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 ha But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs